Why is being customer-centric important? What is customer-centric? Our guest on the Business Developers Network, Marcos Arias, the managing partner and president of CXMD, has 11 years with AT&T with titles such as Director of Customer Experience. He will tell us why he believes the customer experience is the leading competitive advantage a company can have over their competition. And he will share how your company can excel by putting your customers first. Welcome to the Business Developers Network, where today's leading business developers share and learn innovative business development concepts to generate greater value for their businesses. Hosted by Artie Ruderman, Principal of Innovative Growth Solutions. Broadcasting live from the Pro Business Channel Studios in Atlanta and worldwide across the PBC syndicated networks. This episode made possible in part by Innovative Growth Solutions. For more info, visit IGSCorp.net. And now, please welcome your host of the Business Developers Network, Artie Ruderman. Welcome to the Business Developers Network, where business leaders exchange innovative concepts for developing business. You have heard me say that business development can be defined as any activity that generates value. Today, we will learn the value of customer experience. We are fortunate to have as our guest, Marcos Arias, a customer experience executive and transformation leader. Marcos will tell us that you can expect competition to match or exceed your company's products and services. However, your company can maintain its leadership position by differentiating itself by being customer-centric and providing an excellent customer experience. Welcome, Marcos, to the Business Developers Network. Thank you, Artie. I really appreciate being here. Honored and uh, loved uh, having you uh, as my host. And it's a wonderful day, so let's get to it. Well, it's an exciting topic, and I'm really, really looking to learn more about it. Before we begin, though, uh, let, let's introduce your bio, if we could, so people know where you're coming from. Uh, Marcos is a sought-after customer experience thought leader and recently was invited to speak at OPEX Conference for Operational Excellence, Digital Transformation, and Customer and Employee Experience held in Amsterdam. Marcus also has the academic and professional credentials to validate his status. He has a B.S. in biomedical engineering, something I'll talk to you maybe off air, Master of Science in Management, Master Certificate in Project Management, along with a Six Sigma Green Belt and Project Management Professional. Professionally, he has several executive positions, spending nine years with Bell South and 11 years with AT&T with titles such as Director of Premium Call Centers, Director of Customer Experience, Director of Marketing and Product Management. Today, he is the Managing Partner and President of CXMD, a company that transforms customer experiences into business success to grow revenue, streamline cost, and retain customers by supporting clients with a holistic, strategic, end-to-end view of the customer experience lifecycle. Marcus, please add anything that you think that maybe I've left out or you think the audience would like to know about you. The only thing I would add to that, Artie, would be that uh, I'm happily married. (laughs) I have two children, one in middle school, one in high school, a freshman. Uh, And I also like to pay it forward in many ways, not only with uh, my church, but also with... uh, professional organizations, mentoring, and, and, and uh, volunteering, as well as charities that I do. Uh, people may not know that I'm also a wine sommelier uh, on the side, and I do that uh, for fun, and I also give back by doing that for charities as well, wine tastings. Thank, thank you for sharing that. Okay, let's get to it. Tell us what we need to know about being 
customer-centric, especially how it relates to business development, uh, front stage, backstage, and the CX life cycle? Artie, that's a very good question because, you know, when people talk about customer experience, they go, okay, what is it? And then, of course, when people are talking about business development, they say, you know, those two don't cross. So I like to look at, first of all, business development. And as I look at the definition of business development, you, you look it up in Webster's and you see it described as the activity of pursuing strategic opportunities for a particular business organization. And I think of it as just growing the business, okay? So what is CX? What is customer experience? Well, some say that it's how a customer feels about a particular brand or, or company. Others say that it's all the interactions that a customer has with a brand or a company. And I think the best definition that resonates with me is the definition of the sum totality of how a customer engages with a company or brand and the emotional connection that results. Customer experience is not just that direct interaction between a company and its customers. It is enabled by the mission, the values, the strategic objectives, the, 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 the culture. It's the back office and the processes and the people as well. It's all of that that enables those interactions that we have with customers. And so I talk about the, fr the front stage and the backstage. The front stage is where people are interacting with the company. They're calling in. They may be on a, online in, in a website. They may be uh, getting some support from customer care. So they're doing all those things and they're touching the company directly or they're going into a store, okay? That's all the front stage. But there's a tremendous amount of backstage work that's being done, logistics, operations, you know, inventory, the, the ability to give a product or service a capability to the customer, and you do it through the employees in the front stage by having a very good backstage. That's what I call the backstage. So, you know, you have um, the, the front stage with all its interactions. You have the backstage with all its capabilities of a company to provide products and services. So you look at the CX lifecycle the customer experience life cycle. So when a customer is, is interacting with a brand or a company, they become aware of that brand. They become aware of the products and services, and they do that mostly through the digital realm in these days. You know, they are going online, they're doing searches, they're, they're finding out what they need because they have a need, some kind of business problem or something that they're trying to solve. And they look and search and they find it. That's the awareness, the beginning of the life cycle. And then they go into that, that awareness should drive a purchase if it's satisfying that need and intriguing the customer. Then you go into the buy part of the life cycle. And so those interactions of a customer with the company be, is, is, is in the buy cycle. And then you get to the actual fulfillment where they actually get the product, they get the software, they get the service in some way, form, or fashion. That needs to be frictionless. And from the get-in, they actually get to use either that service or that product, and they're interacting with that, even though there may not be a person at that point in time. And then you get into, if they have a problem, they may have to um, get some support, call customer care, whether it's technical or account. And then, of course, you know they pay for the product or service, either on a subscription basis or they do it at one time. So all those aspects of the customer experience is the life cycle. And those interactions are happening all the time, and they need to be frictionless. And that's the advantage 
that companies need to do at every point of that life cycle. Very important, and that's the differentiator. In you know, when you go around, you, you repeat that when the customer comes back and buys a, a product or service again. It may be in a cross-sell. It may be in an upsell. It may be uh, across industries. Those things happen, and it repeats in the life cycle. So it's never one that is finished. It repeats. It goes back again through the, through the cycle, and you must be on your game in every part of that well, we seem to be very much on the same lane, uh, especially with the definition of, of business development. And uh, I, I'm also asked to, uh, to join companies on a fractional basis uh, for marketing and sales. And the first question I always ask is their throughput capacity because they need to be in alignment with to deliver the products and services. And what you're drilling down is, yes, you need to have that in alignment and then from there, every point of touch with the customer. So can you give us some specific examples, challenges, solutions, results, and lessons learned from implementation of customer-centric programs while you're talking with us? Yeah, absolutely. And, and I will also do that in light of business development as well because they are very much intertwined. You know, when you are analyzing new partners and alliances, and that is, a very much a business development kind of activity when you're trying to go into maybe a new market. You know, you need to make sure that those new partners, those new alliances, you know, that they're aligned with your strategic objectives and with your customer experience. I'll give you a great example. Working with a, a beauty and aesthetics company that is about high, high customer touch, high customer experience. It's one of, you know, the ambiance, the music, the water features, when you come in, you have a certain feel in this place, and that's an expectation. Well, if you're opening up a new market, and I was talking to these individuals about that, you are not going to align with a new channel or a new partner in another market that is a bare-bones outfit that is truly just about, like, you know, put you guys in, in, in a, a row of, like, 12 seats, and you all see each other, and you're just, like, performing the, the beauty on the customers, but it is more of a manufacturing kind of process versus one of an experience. If you have a certain set of experiences that you have in this market, why would you align yourself with somebody in a new market that doesn't do the same? So you've got to be very clear in that example of that partner, that alliance is aligned with how you do your CX. You know, you and I had a, a conversation off air that resonated with me, and I'm going back to the fact that you know, other companies, your competition can match or excel your products and your services. And the one differentiator that could put your company ahead is that personality that it has, the consistency that it has of delivering customer satisfaction. That is absolutely true. I mean, if, if, if you look at that, um, you know, everybody can repeat what you do. Everybody can come up with the kind of products, you know, people talk about patents, people talk about, you know, uh, new, new ways of doing business, but all of that can be replicated or, quite frankly, you know, backwards re-engineered. So let, let's be realistic. How is it going to be uh, that you continue to satisfy your customers and gain new customers and gain market share? Well, you got to do something different. So one of the things that I would like to point out is omni-channel. People talk about omni-channel all the time. Well, 
if a company has a great omni-channel strategy and they implement it correctly, and that means that somebody can come to your website, can do a web chat, could do email, could ultimately call, and that all of that is integrated, will those companies, according to Aberdeen, who do that and do it well to integrate so that people don't have to repeat themselves and re-authenticate themselves and say, this is who I am and this is my name and this is my dog and whatever, you know, those people those companies that can do that and have strong omni-channel strategies on average boost their annual revenue 9.5% over those who don't. That's, that's that powerful. That is impressive. So let me give you another example. So because I, I, I really love the fact that like the business development opportunities and CX really can have a, a coexistence and need to be more intermeshed. What I'm talking about is when you develop in new markets and you're leveraging the CX that makes you successful in your current markets. For example, you look at Subway and Subway's expansion. Tremendous expansion. I think they're the number one expansion in stores right now uh, for the, the food industry. Uh, what do they do? They have a formula. They don't change the formula in their expansion. They may have smaller stores within a bigger store and set it up that way at truck stops or whatever, or they may have standalone stores or in strip malls. But the store of Subway is the same. They have the same experience, and they leverage it. They don't change it. So even in the expansion, they keep the formula of their experience the same. I believe they also made some um, really positive inroads on their online ordering processing as well. That's right. And when you're talking about digital transformation, that's about redefining what you are and what you do uh, in the sense of maybe some applications, maybe how you are reaching customers, uh, being relevant to how customers live today. And so when they do that, you know, customers continue to have that affinity and have that experience and move forward with that. I'll give you, I'll give you a story about digital transformation in a company that actually will, will touch your heart and tear your heart out at the same time. This is about Southwest. There was a grandfather who had a three-year-old grandson, and he got the call. And the call was that his three-year-old grandson had been beaten to death by the boyfriend of his daughter. And they were going to pull the plug on life support at 9 p.m. the next day devastated he got his wife to call southwest to get a ticket he had to go to la to denver and they were going to put him through a um a connecting flight in tucson so there was some logistics that had to happen but they got him the flight so he got to lax was going through tsa that wonderful experience that we all know of and he was he was early enough two hours early enough but he was 12 minutes late to the gate you can imagine what he was thinking about missing that flight. But to his surprise, and this is where the story becomes, you know, more magical in the sense of what happened in the response to this tragedy. The flight, the plane was still there. And he went up to the pilot and said, oh, thank you for, for staying. He goes, the pilot looked at him and said, you know what? This plane's not leaving without me, and I'm not leaving without you. Now, I tell you that because what an experience, you know, even amongst that, that tragedy that this grandfather could go and be with his grandson. But 
the digital power, the digital transformation that the company had so that everybody from the person who got the ticket made to the person at the ticket counter to the person at the check-in desk to the pilot in his iPad waiting on the plane knowing that this individual needed to make this flight, needed to make the connections, and could be able to make that decision. Well, all those things were connected digitally. It enabled, the platform enabled the pilot to be in a position to make a decision. Now, here's the other trick. The culture of the company must be aligned, not only with the digital enablement that gave the pilot the information that he needed to make that decision, but the culture must be aligned that you can make that call. You can make that decision, and we will support you because it's the right thing to do. Digital transformation is huge for a company, but you got to have the culture that says, yes, you can make the right decisions for the customer, and we will support you in Southwest. Went on record to do that. And, and you and I, uh, you had shared that uh, story with me uh, before going on air, and you and I discussed the following, and that is it might have even been against all airport and, and um, requirements to delay other flights, uh, and, and yet you feel that that pilot would still have made that decision, and Southwest might have been fined for it or reprimanded in some way, and yet they still would have supported that pilot. Correct. I mean, you know, we know that those performance uh, metrics are there for being on time, and it's very important to an airline to be on time. And the logistical nightmares of, of being out of sync, you know, for a plane and getting in queue again for takeoff and all those things and connecting flights to the other people on that plane as well. So there's a bunch of factors in play. And there's still a human component that needs to occur in digital transformation, which is given what I know, given my understanding, given the metrics that I'm held accountable to and the information that is being given to me digitally, I make a decision and I make a decision that's right. If we're talking about an hour delay, I don't think that pilot's going to wait, but Southwest would, you know, correct it in another way, get another connecting flight, get that grandfather there. But given that it was only 12 minutes, he was there and he waited. Well, there's two things at play here, and, and you, you uh, touched upon them. One is having the technical ability, the digital transformation, to be capable of, of transforming, uh, transmitting that information. And the second is having the culture that will respond to it. Exactly. So if you're a, a, a small company or a big company, you know, having that ability it represents expense. So how does a, a, a small, mid-sized company, even to a large company, how do they go about accepting that in line with what they hope to achieve in results, meaning the goodwill creates more, I guess, more revenue and more profit? Well, Artie, I would challenge that. I'll, I'll tell you why. Um, you know, people like to look at it as, as expense, okay? Oh, you're doing something, and, and it's going to cost you. And, in fact, when I went to the Operational Excellence Conference in Amsterdam, there were 300 executives who I was doing a keynote in front of, and I know that audience was tough. Uh, these are folks who are held to their KPIs, their performance indicators, their metrics. Uh, they are held to that very tightly. That's how they define success. And, you know, I'm the customer experience guy, and they're going, you are fluff. You are an expense. You are an audit waiting to happen on my organization. Uh, that's a tough audience to be with. So my point was, look, I am a help 
I will help you be better in your, in your business. I will help you not only to grow revenue, but save cost and retain customers. You know, that triumphant, that, 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 uh, um, that, that would be like the holy grail for a lot of people. <laughs> but it is very possible. And so what I did was I took a, a use case uh, of where in our support, customer support centers, we were able to do a very high-touch case management process. Now, that's expensive. According to finance, they're looking at me going, you mean you're going to, like, actually have agents do a high-touch, you know, take the customer who has been calling and been having problems repeatedly off the conveyor belt, and you're going to, like, handle them personally by agents? That sounds expensive. Why would we do that? I said, let's trial it, and I will show you how we're going to do that. And so we did. We took those folks who were suffering off the conveyor belt. We were able to do testing proactively, monitor what was going on, and be able to give information back to the customer about what was happening. And we proved through the operational metrics that, one, our volume went down of repeats of those customers coming back in because we were proactively you know, reaching out to them through digital methods that were less expensive, more efficient for us than the call where they would have to spend another 20 minutes talking to us about their problem, re-authenticating. I mean, it's agent time, it's customer time, it's painful. And so we were also able to like have a consistency of the agent that was able to um, work with field agents and techs and do that proactive testing that got to a resolution faster. So our first call resolution went, went, got better, our volume went down, our churn went down. You know, these are financial metrics operational metrics that turn into financial metrics that I finance like looked at the whole business case with me and they signed off on it I didn't they were totally on top of this and we were able to prove it made sense for the right situation and we moved forward that's how you line up CX with with operational excellence and you get to a financial success and the customer appreciates that NPS scores go up well, I'm from Missouri, so show me. You had mentioned earlier some statistics that were very impressive about the, uh, the increase in revenue or profit, uh, and I believe there are more. So this would be very convincing. Can you share some, some statistics industry-wide about how being customer-centric absolutely increases your revenue and your profit? Well, we talked about before where, you know, the omni-channel strategies did provide the 9.5% year-over-year increase in revenue uh, from the Aberdeen Group. We also talked about that, you know, 50% of customers um, of consumer product investments would be redirected to CX initiatives. And the reason why companies were doing that, and that was from Gartner in 2016, was because companies realized that having frictionless products, innovative products, actually improved their ability to sell and to garner new customers and new markets. You know, I tell you this, on the flip side, 95% of dissatisfied customers will tell people about their experiences. So if they are going to tell people about their experiences, do you think those other people that they're telling are going to, like, sign up for your product and service? Absolutely not. I can tell you the fun I've had at my tennis team uh, practices and at my barbecue cookouts when somebody had a bad experience with the company I was with. And, and I got an earful. But I appreciated that. And I took that information. And we solved it. So turning around a bad situation is powerful, too. 
Well, you're looking at a 40-year-long customer of AT&T, and I can tell you I was not always a happy customer of AT&T. So when AT&T, with the mergers and acquisitions, sometimes to go from my cell phone to my digital digital TV, uh, it, it was so I had to sign in three times, and this is AT&T. So... Can you share a little bit of the experiences of AT&T? Because I tell you right now, it's, it is a pleasure, and I have a feeling you were part of that initiative. Well, absolutely. I mean, we, we were definitely a product-focused kind of, of enterprise. Um, but we heard what our customers were saying, some of the experiences that you're talking about there, Artie, you know, where people had to be transferred all over the place, where people had to, uh, by product, talk to a specific agent to get some help or, or move forward. And, and what we did was, first of all, we looked at the way the customer wanted it to, to work. We had to, like, say, if I were the customer and asking customers exactly how they would want it to work, they're going, you're AT&T. Everything that I buy and, and from you should be from one person, and it should be taken care of by one person. So there was a general pivot to uh, across the ent- enterprise to look at how do we collapse, take out these silos, collapse the product view, and look at it more from a customer-centric view. And so we did, and I was a part of this, very much so, of consolidating centers, not because it was a cost effort, but because it was a customer-driven effort. And it was about saying one agent can take care of video, can take care of internet, can take care of voice, should be able to handle you know, some of the other pieces of the wireless. And, and when we brought DirecTV, it happened all over again because you had to go to a DirecTV agent versus somebody who was part of the traditional uh, AT&T part. And so we had to look at collapse in that. So I put a strategic uh, initiative together of looking at centers so that we could have one agent take care of all the issues and problems because first call resolution can't happen if you're transferring. It means you're, you're taking them on to somebody else. That's not first call resolution. And transfers are direct impact to net promoter score. Net promoter score is, is that metric that's used to say how people are willing to recommend a brand or a service. And you got to do lower transfers, you got to do first call resolution, these are all operational metrics, but you really got to do it with the customer in mind, customer centric. You know, we're winding down, just a few minutes left, I'm going to throw a few topics on the table, just take one or two that you feel you can fill in in time. So we talked about understanding holistics, brand, transactional, product service focus, and net production score. Okay, so, so Net promoter score. Let me define that because I mentioned it already. Net, net promoter score is a 1 to 10 kind of evaluation that, cu- that, that many companies uh, place out in front of uh, customers through surveys to say, given what you know about this company, this service, and this situation, would you be willing to recommend them to families and friends or other associates? And it's very telling. It's not saying, am I happy? It's saying, are you willing to put your name your personal name, whether you're a business or a consumer, to tell other people, this is a good company, this is a great service, you would want to buy it. And so if people who are nines and tens, you know, in that survey, uh, you know, say that uh, they're willing to recommend, that means that they are very much an advocate for you. If they are an eight or a seven, that means that they're sort of passive about you. You're good, you satisfied me, but... I'm not going to, like, plug you. And then everybody's six and below, they're a detractor. 
they're not really going to like say anything good about you. They may say a lot of bad about you. So you look at that and you net, you don't look at the passes, but you net the advocates and you net th them from the detractors and you get a score. And so you look at the score and you look at it directionally. Yeah, you can look at the score itself, but you should look at directionally. Are you improving? Are you getting more detractors to passes? Are you getting more passives to promoters? And if you do that, then you're going in the right direction with the customer in mind. Well, we could easily keep going, but I think our time is quite limited right now. So why don't you tell us your contact information so those listening can get in touch with you to hear more if they have questions. No, absolutely. So they can, they can reach me at uh, cxmdllc.com. So again, cxmdllc.com. Uh, reach me at my telephone number, 770-605-7544. Or on LinkedIn, they can connect with me there, and we can have a discussion. Would love to help anybody. Well, very good. And uh, our guest was Marcos Arias, Managing Partner and President of CXMD, a customer experience company. And this is Artie Rudiman for the Business Developers Network, reminding you to keep developing your business. Already a pleasure being here. On behalf of the Pro Business Channel Networks, we want to thank our guests, sponsors, and you, the audience, for joining us on the Business Developers Network. This episode made possible in part by Innovative Growth Solutions. For more info, visit igscorp.net. Today's broadcast can be heard on demand on your favorite internet channels, including iHeartRadio, iTunes, Google Play, and across the PBC syndicated networks. We invite you to share the show using the posted social media links and join Artie Ruderman and his guests on the next episode of the Business Developers Network.